you made a big announcement today about your book. Why don't you tell us what's happening? Yes, I did. There's going to be an audiobook version of Grandissimo, the first emperor on the Las Vegas Strip, the life story of Jay Sarno, the man who built Caesar's Palace and Circus Circus. When is that going to be available? should be available within a couple of weeks. The uh, voiceover artist, I think that's the correct terminology, his name is Eric Sounds Martin, right. he's very good, and he's about halfway through the book. Cool. And it sounds great so far, very professional. Is that the same that's... Eric Martin who is the singer for Mr. Big? I don't think so. <laughs> no? <laughs> Sorry. There I, had, some... I had to. But you never know. That, that, that has not... That has not... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. ...thus far. We, uh... We lost. It's really, he really does great work, and uh, that's who. We we lost you, Dave, a little bit there. I don't know. I think you. Maybe we can hire him, uh, Mr. Martin, to (laughs) recreate. Well, we just lost to Dave on the internet. (laughs) He could play me. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Well, that's pretty exciting. That should be real. That's awesome. I'm an audiobook fan, so I'm happy to see one of my favorite books in coming to audiobook format. Um, so how will how will this be sold? Is it through uh, Audible, Amazon, iTunes? Yes, okay. yes, and yes. Not sure yet about iTunes. I know it's going to be on Audible and Amazon. Hopefully, cool. iTunes too, but definitely Audible and Amazon. Mucho excelente. Well, that's awesome. We'll definitely uh, inform people as soon as it is available. But uh, that's very exciting. I think yeah, you can no. buy all audio. Aud- all uh, uh, audio book stuff through uh, iTunes too. Okay. I, I, for a time, like, and I don't. They had I, a partnership, didn't they? Yeah, for a long time, like Audible served all of their, I, all of their book audiobooks. I don't know if that's still the case or not. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But um, it, uh, I'm sure you'll one way or another, we'll, <laughs> you'll we'll get to wherever you need to go. Yeah, I'll call. Right. I'll call Tim Cook up and I'll say, "Look, my, my good friend Dave needs some help getting into your store." Timbo, yeah, <laughs> Timbo. Yes, that's what I call him. Um, great. Well, that's super exciting. That's awesome uh, for folks that don't have it, or even folks that do. It's always fun to experience something in a different way. Awesome. Is, is there going to be a theme song at the beginning of the book? Because you know, I don't think so. I've got a couple. You know, I've got that Spotify playlist. So if there's any way to clear the rights, you know I would do it. Right. How about something original like Grand 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 Grandissimo? <laughs> Are you well, offering to write a song? Yeah, Jeff? you're the musician. <laughs> well, I was thinking maybe Hunter, you do it. You you're good at these. Uh, I like writing in, jingles. In, in, introduction jingles. You, you yeah, start, I have a, you started it. A long history of successful introduction jingles. Yeah, <laughs> my rate my rates are pretty high though. I don't know if it's if it's going to yeah. work out. Four stars. Ah, excellent. Um, other announcement. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm. Uh, October 18th, VIMF. VIMF 2014. October 18th is a Saturday where yes. we will be having VIMF 2014 at the D uh, in the downtown Las Vegas. Um, it should be super fun, super excellent. Uh, people are asking about all that stuff. Um, I think our best advice is to... We're going to have stuff throughout the weekend. We still haven't um, announced a lot of details, but uh, you should feel confident in uh, spending some time with us throughout the weekend. So, you know, if, if you want to make sure, if you want to make sure not to miss anything, you probably want to arrive um, and at least be available on, you know, from Friday afternoon on. 
would be, I think, a safe bet. Don't you think, Chuck? Yeah, you know, Friday afternoon on is a safe bet. Very much a safe bet. And uh, can we make some news? Yeah, but is it a sure bet? It's a sure Ooh. bet. Hunter, can we make some news? Can we announce something? Uh, sure, whatever you want to announce. Okay, well, let's announce something. Okay. Do you this, have something year, in mind? <laughs> this year, we will have stuff to do throughout the weekend. Woohoo! <laughs> Okay. Yes. Very and exciting. one of those things will involve horses. Woohoo! All so, right. those of you that may have been wondering, we can't say anything more. That's it. We don't want you to infer too much from this. <laughs> but if you love horses, you might want to come to mm-hmm. VIMP 2014. If you love horses. If you love so, should be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Go to VegasInternetMafia.com to read about it. Uh, the details, you can see our excellent introductory video. Um, and uh, if you want to follow the app Vimp Twitter account, we'll get you news and all that good stuff. So should be pretty awesome. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, uh, more on the Vimp as the Vimp uh, progresses. Um, so today, topics. Uh, so we have... But sometimes, uh, <laughs> sorry, the soundtrack is distracting me. Yeah, it's like a Carl uh, Stalling project. <laughs> the background. <laughs> we have uh, at times in the past been accused of sometimes being a little bit too negative about um, about Las Vegas and certain topics. For those of you that feel that way, I have to tell you, you should probably stop listening now. <laughs> Because this is going to be a show, uh, really, the topic list is looking pretty grim. Um, so, grim if you, is the part. I like, I like grim. Yeah, if you're looking for a happy show, you should go listen to something else. I think, I have a feeling this is, we're going to talk about, from one thing to the next, how things are terrible everywhere. Um, so, I'm depressed we, already. We might as well, we might as well get into it. Um, and... What I think I want to start with, uh, oh gosh, where should we start? Uh, okay, so the I, I do see a thread here. So let's start with uh, Downtown Grand. Um, downtown Grand, property right off Fremont Street, opened officially uh, late last year. Um, it has been having some problems, some troubles. There have been some troubles. Uh, I stayed at Downtown Grand a few months ago now, and... I observed what many others have also observed in as much as there's, there's very little foot traffic throughout their casino facility, um, which seems to be having a, uh, which seems to be contributing to an overall negative financial impact, a.k.a. they are closing restaurants, they are r- reducing hours of restaurants, they are apparently reducing headcount. Um, things are not looking so good over there. And I used a term uh, on Twitter where... I refer to it as a death spiral. And unfortunately, the more I see, the more I am believing that that's what it looks like. And what I mean by that is, you know, of course, once you sort of, it's almost like having negative momentum, right? It's like this black hole is sucking you in. And once you have to start cutting things to keep, to stay out of the red, you're, you know, you're really cutting down to the bone at a certain point, right? There's just... It's counterproductive, and, and um, it's a really, you know, it's a tough situation to be in. But 
that seems like they're really, really doing, really having a tough time. It is, it's not clear how they're going to pull themselves out of this one uh, because the kind of stuff that they're killing off is only stuff that's going to want to make people go there less. So other than the huge success that is Pizza Rock, which is like packed every single time I go in there, and um, the other places like the Triple George, which have done, I think, pretty decent business since, since they've been open, the rest of the complex seems to be really, really in trouble. I mean, as I hear reports from people calling into the Five Hundies podcast about some of the more recent maneuvers, I guess they tried to like take off the, some of the front doors to the casino to try and, I guess, make it little, look a little bit more welcoming because it's like, for whatever reason, they went with like this tinted glass where you can't see anything inside because, of course, we, we don't want anyone to come inside. Um, so they removed those, I guess, but they left the door frames up, which makes, according to one caller, I'm paraphrasing, but they said it made it like it was like somehow broken and just never replaced. And it's, it, things, are, things are not going well. Things are not going well. Um, I'm just wondering what thoughts you guys have about downtown Grand at this point. Is this is 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 this just going down the drain? What's going to happen over there? I think they can turn it around. It's not it's a, ever the it's a freshly renovated property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a freshly renovated property. I've got to think if they can just figure out the right marketing formula for the property, they'd be able to fig- to turn it around. So who is it's, they? Is that is that Fifth Street Gaming or is that yeah. CAM or who is they? Are, I think are, it's I think it's Fifth Street Gaming. You know, I think they could. They should. You know, they can give it a shot and just you know. But not knowing what's going on there, it's very hard to say why it's not working. You know, right. did they want to do things and they not getting money? Do they just not what to do? I know what to do. I I couldn't tell you because I'm not in those meetings, obviously, because I'm not part of Fifth Street Gaming. But you know, if you if you look at it. You could see why somebody would spend a lot of money to reinvent that property because there's all these people coming to downtown Las Vegas now. There's this buzz down there. There's this excitement. It would seem to be well situated as the midway point between the more uh, Zappos-type crowd, the downtown tech crowd, and the traditional downtown. It's got the Mob Museum right across the street, which is an anchor. I forget how many tens of thousands or hundreds of... Well, I think... 200,000 visitors a year, I think. Might be off. Might have gotten yeah. that confused with uh, something else. But anyway, you know, there's whenever I'm down there, there's always people coming in and out of that place. Out of the Mob so Museum or the downtown? Out of the Mob Museum. Out of the Mob yeah. Museum. So there's people there. There's people there. I, I mean, I, you know, having stayed there, um, having hung out there, I, I think there's a lot in terms of just the overall, like, property setup. It's, they did a nice job, right? I mean, I think... Looking at looking now, looking back a little bit, it's clear that there are some design flaws that have definitely contributed to their problem. Um, they haven't done themselves uh, a lot of favors in some of those respects. I mean, one of them is the, the problem they seem to be trying to trying to reverse now, which is it's not entirely clear where the casino facility is. Right, if you have no idea what you're looking at, they did sort of hide it um, to a certain degree from the street, which it sounds like that actually was a, a maybe a bigger mistake than it would have potentially seemed when they were planning it out. Because um, I have heard from some people who didn't even realize that there was a casino in there. They thought it was like, I don't know what they thought it was, but they didn't realize it was a place they could go into play. So trying to turn that around will not hurt them, but I just wonder if it's, it's at some point, is it just too far gone? Charles? Oh, man. <clears throat> I don't know. You know, it's 
I was thinking about the uh, the structure of the company. Now the property is owned by CIM, and they they purchased it and got from the city some sort of like major major tax breaks that would allow them also to get like surrounding acreage of the property as well. Mm-hmm. If they if they uh, hit deadlines to complete and open the project, which they've done. So it, maybe it doesn't necessarily mean that much to them to keep it open. Because if they're really just sort of a real estate play, if they've done these things, if they can cut it, cut the operations and let it limp, they, they might not lose because hmm. it's a real, a real estate play. You know, like they're not necessarily in the business. CIM doesn't own any other casinos. They're not in the casino business. They're a real estate firm. Right basically. So mm-hmm. the fact that they're involved in this as a hotel real estate play is a little kind of confusing in terms of their whole business model. Maybe they're trying to jump into something else. But, and I'm curious what, what, what the, uh, with the benchmarks they have in their agreement with Fifth Street Gaming. Fifth Street Gaming owns, uh, they, they have the casino license. They're the gaming right. operator of the casino license. And they also are a partnership to operate the hotel and the marketing and everything else under a, uh, a, a thing called DTG Las Vegas Manager LLC. Okay, so they do all the hotel ops and the, and the food and beverage. And they also do the casino, but these are kind of separate entities. So if... if Downtown, uh, if Fifth Street Gaming doesn't hit the numbers, it's just a matter of time before they get booted. You know, there's no, there's no way they're gonna, they're gonna stay. And why isn't Mark Shore down there all the time? You'd think huh. if he, if he really cares about what his son's business is and has all this expertise working for Steve, you know, all these years, how come he's not? doesn't have his finger in the dike. Maybe he does. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. But he, he should he should have a couple of arms and legs in the dike by now. Right? <laughs> he's he's, he's moving the, the towel dispenser thing, the towel holder, the towel rack. He's, he's, he's kicking uh, thumbtacks that are on the ground saying, hey, is that going to be there permanently? <laughs> you know, like, honestly, he should be in there you know, and probably may even be, even be talking to, uh, to Steve. You know, you'd think it's... This is family. It's not necessarily competition at this stage of the game. Like they want this kid to survive, and at the rate he's going, you know, if it opened in what was it, early November, late October, yeah. If they don't hit it in a year, man, they're gone. They're done. They're going to get somebody else in there. Not that they're going to have any better luck, but right. I so I tend to agree with you that it seems like it would be tough to keep them on indefinitely if things really are as dire as they appear to be. Yeah. Um, of course, I'm sure that CIM doesn't want to get licensed. I'm sure that they'd probably bring in Navigante or somebody else like that, right, that has these sort right. of exper- this experience to run these places without having to get licensed themselves. Yeah. Um, but it, it just seems like they're in such a deep hole Right, I mean, do, they've they have what one restaurant left operating there, or yeah. something like. That? I mean, it's and people are posting photos of like breakfast time at the Stuart and Ogden, and it, there's the place is empty. Yeah. I mean, that that is is there's not no demand. Time. They might even right. just close the hotel. You think about it. 
close the hotel, close the restaurant, and keep the snack bar open, which they already closed. But it might be cheaper to keep a snack bar open than it is to keep a, you know, a fully functioning cafe. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the occupancy rates are like, um, and so that would be. That's one part of this that I haven't really seen cited. I mean, it's easy to walk through the casino and notice that nobody's there, so they can't be so astonishingly high that the casino would be full. Yeah. But um, it would be really interesting to find out what those numbers are. Also, I don't, I don't remember the specifics about the relationships with Triple George and Pizza Rock, but they're renters, I think, right? They don't own those restaurants. Yeah, like, I don't. Well, I don't know. Actually, I thought they did own Triple George. I don't know about Pizza Rock. I could be wrong about that, though. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you look at even some of the stuff that that was a success in the past. The Mob Bar is a good example, right? I mean, it used to be over by Triple George, and it, it did, I think, okay enough for itself. Yeah. Uh, but now it got moved, and it's like it's. It looks like it's on its last legs, right? It's about to die. Yeah. Strangely, no one can explain this to me. Why the doors that face the mob museum are like locked? You can only enter through the casino. Yeah, that's insane. Like it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, but that's one of the things that they're one of the things they're doing. I don't know. It uh, they seem to be in an incredibly tough spot. Yeah. Um, it's hard for me to sort of visualize uh, a magical solution to uh, to get pulled out of it. But we'll have to see. I've got one. Okay. Real simple. And I think I've said this before on the show. Close off the street and build the stage that faces towards Fremont Street and yeah. have music on every day, all day during the night, so it's blasting down the street. That's it. If you hear a bunch of noise or something, it, people are going to come. It would be interesting to see. I've, when we were there, they, they, had a, um, they did have a temporary stage down there that they were using. It wasn't... Yeah definitely was not loud enough that people on Fremont could hear it. Um, it was pretty tepid. Um, but, uh, yeah, it would be interesting. I also have to think that, like, it shouldn't be that hard to entice people down there. Now I'm sort of... Now, I mean, I'm, I may be simplifying this too much, but, hey, people like free beer. Like, give them a there free beer if they walk to your crappy casino. Right. Like, that costs right. you nothing. Yep. It's, it's like the cheapest promotion you can do. Yeah, imagine um, if you went out onto the, you had some guys in downtown Grand A-shaped uh, sandwich boards walking down the street saying, you want a beer? Right. Free beer. Give them, a, give them a ticket for a free beer. You'll, right. At least out, you'll have a line of hobos down there ready to, uh, <laughs> there's a beer now. Oh, boy, I can taste it. Mm. Oh, wow, what a frosty. Delicious local lager. I can't believe it. Mm. Oh, wow. Thanks, Hunter. I appreciate that. Any, anytime, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Anytime. You know, they, they, something else that they did is they, uh, uh, Downtown Grand fired their, their uh, social media team, and they hired an outside firm to do it. So, obviously, they're trying to do something, but yeah. who, knows, well, who knows if it works. I, I kind of unfollowed them so I couldn't tell you yeah I I don't follow them either so I, I we'll just have to see yeah I want a beer you should go get one yeah alright well let's downtown grand we'll uh, keep watching and report what we see um, should be interesting to continue to follow but um, unfortunately we are going from one sad story of woe to another um, I guess you could say that these are worse because these are actually places that are closing 
But um, if we zoom across across the country <laughs> to <laughs> to uh, uh, Atlantic City, where we have four, I think four places that are talking about closing at this point. Um, I guess that depends, sort of, if you include uh, if you include Revel in that as a certainty, or whether they're going to hopefully limp through or whatever. But um, you know, Dave, it sounds like what there are only twelve casinos there total, right? So we're talking about a pretty significant reduction. Yeah, we're down to eleven now. Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. And, but we're look right, and so we're looking at three more, right? So possibly yeah. Revel and then Trump Plaza. Yeah. Right. So what is what's going on here? Um, I mean, obviously we've talked for years and years and years about AC having trouble and recalibrating and all that kind of stuff. But it seems like <laughs> this is. I can almost like, hear the blood curdling <laughs> screams. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so they're they're uh, <laughs> that's those are the executives that <laughs> exactly it's Caesars and. <sighs> Uh, apologies to the, to the listeners. Uh, if I go into the next room, I lose signal and I drop out. Yeah. We'll kind of capture here. We'll power through. Yeah. Um, so, but what's Ugh. happening here? Is this, is this uh, an accelerating, not to use, overuse my term, but that's spiral? Okay. Um, even, in the worst with, even in the worst of the recession in Vegas, nobody said... If we close everything from Mandalay down to Monte Carlo and uh, Wynn and Venetian, the city's going to be so much better off because there will be fewer casinos and more business for everybody. You know, that's not how you grow. And that just doesn't seem to me that that's a viable solution here, saying, well, you know, yeah, people aren't interested in coming to Atlantic City anymore, so we'll just close a third of the casinos, and that'll solve the problem, because then there'll be fewer casinos. It doesn't solve the core. The core problem is this, is that in 2014, there's a very small pool of people who are willing to drive past a lot of other casinos to sit in front of a slot machine in Atlantic City. So the question is, what do you do? And the answer is to do something different, which sounds very simplistic. But if you look at the city's history, it used to be a general vacation place where people went and vacationed. Uh, Working class people, middle class people from Philadelphia especially, could take their two weeks in the summer, rent a room in a guest house, and go down to Atlantic City. Then in the 50s, you've got cheap international flights, cheap flights down to the uh, Caribbean, even cheap flights domestically to Florida that really puts an end to that. So people aren't coming for that. So then in the 70s, well, hey, what can we get them to come here to do? Um, vacations, isn't it? Well, how about gambling? And, huh, yeah, they would have to go to Vegas to do that. So that sounds great. And it worked great for a while. You know, until from 83 until 99, Atlantic City made more money from gambling than the Las Vegas Strip. Right. So it worked really well. You know, the problem is now that there's so much proliferation, that's not working anymore. You know, it doesn't mean that the city's not a viable destination for anything. No, not at all. They just have to really find some non-gaming things that they can encourage people to do. And I, I think they're trying. I think it's just, you know, how do you do that while the city's in the middle of a decline? 
Right. So Las Vegas, of course, is like this great example of diversifying their uh, income base where now gaming is like, what, 30% or something? I mean, it really continues to drop. It's really, they've done a great job of bringing in all these other sources of income. But like you just said, that was done without a gun to their head and done over a fairly long period of time. Um, it didn't happen overnight, right? I mean, it's been yeah. something that's been going on since, what, 98, 99, Bellagio era, maybe even earlier. So it, it's, uh, it's, it's going to, you would think that unless Atlantic City has a, a masterful a recipe for this, that even if that strategy does ultimately work, it's going to be painful and drawn out. Yeah, you know, and I think you look at properties like the Borgata, and you also look at things like Tropicana, what they've done with the Quarter, which is a non-gaming um, addition that opened around the time the Borgata opened. You look at Harris Resort, they've done a good job. And you even look at Revel, which hasn't succeeded. But what they were trying to do was take a page from the strip and focus more on non-gaming. Right. You know, and, and something kind of came to me today. So I'm driving... I think in the 215, I see a billboard, it might have been the 15, see a billboard for Aria saying that the new tagline is something like, this is how you do Vegas. This is how we Vegas, yeah. This is how we Vegas. And remember when it opened up, it was supposed to be, this is Vegas for people who don't like Vegas? Right. Okay, what it should have been, and that that didn't go so well. You add one word to that and it works perfectly. It's Vegas for people who don't like Vegas yet. Hmm. All right. That's what it needs to. That needs to be the attitude. Like, hey, we've got attractions here in Atlantic City for people who haven't been coming to Atlantic City yet. But right. there's no. We're not going to say that the city itself is terrible and we need to completely destroy everything that's here. You know, there is a lot of stuff. The the outlet stores are very big. You know, they're always crowded. So there's some. There are some things going well there. It's just on the whole, you've got a lot of the other properties that haven't been reinvesting a lot and they're suffering. I have a question for you. Uh, as someone that you know comes from that comes from Atlantic City, I and you can correct me if I'm off base here, and I'm just I'd love to get your thoughts on this. But you know, New Jersey it says yes to Atlantic City gambling in the late '70s, right? And so that that ends up being a source of big tax revenue for the state. But the state, as far as I can tell, has not reinvested very much of that in Atlantic City. They'd like to take it and do other things with it. So there are definitely parts of Atlantic City that. I think if you talk to some of the people out there, and even some of the people quoted in some of these articles about all the problems that are they're having out there, there's some, I don't know, blight is too strong of a word, but there's some, I'm going to use it anyway just because I think it describes what I mean. There's some blight, even in the areas really around the casinos to the point where the people are like, well, why are these abandoned houses here? And just stuff like where it appears like the city, I assume because they can't afford it, isn't reinvesting money to sort of make the whole city nicer, which is making some people not super excited about going there. Yeah, you know, I think, but if you look at Las Vegas, you've got areas around the Strip and certainly downtown that aren't really uh, ideal. So I think I think part of it is just getting people to the tourist areas and just getting them in there and having them have a good experience, which some of them are, but apparently a lot of them aren't. And when you're, you've been coming to Atlantic City for the past 20 years to play slot machines, and now you only have to drive 10 minutes to play slot machines, there's really not much reason for you to keep on going, you know, driving an hour and a half. So I think that's the core of the problem Yeah, right there. Plus the tolls. Tolls, gas, and then they charge for parking. Yep. Right. Kind of I, amazing 
those of us who live who don't live in New Jersey, you know, driving down the turnpikes and the and the parkways and over the bridges and everything, they're basically they take a buck from you every mile or five. So we're not used to that out here. Where you can drive to Vegas, yeah. it costs you nothing except for mileage and wear so, and tear in the car. So no, it's, it's a good reminder. I, so uh, tell me this: I'm, let's say I'm driving from Philadelphia to Atlantic City, and I've actually done this drive, but I do not remember. What would I end up paying in tolls and for parking if I wanted to do a, that trip for a day? Okay, I did this whole calculation a couple of years ago, so I don't remember it. But probably, I'm just I'm just trying to remember as best as I can. Probably maybe twelve dollars in tolls total, depending on where you're coming from. I was yeah. going to guess. I was going to guess about fifteen. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I kind of. It's been a while. I kind of forget what it is um and then you would also pay anywhere from five to twenty dollars to park so i mean obviously it's a tough sell to get the state to not charge the tolls that's that seems unlikely yeah uh, but parking come on guys like how much money could they possibly be making from parking and that's a huge turnoff right if you have to pay for parking i mean that really is not not good well the whole reason why they do it is to Prevent. So the reason why the price goes up if there's a convention in town is that they don't want people who are coming to Atlantic City for the convention to park at the casinos and go to the convention, which seems they, to me like they've never been in the Venetian Palazzo, right. you know, where Sheldon basically built a huge convention center to get people to come into his casino who were going to the convention. Do they um, do they do like what some of the downtown casinos that have parking that is not free? Do they like? If you're staying there, do you still have to pay? Yeah, no, usually you can get it validated, and if you're playing, you can get it validated. Sometimes there's different thresholds, so they'll say, well, you know, if you're um, whatever gold, you have to pay, but if you're platinum or diamond, you don't. I hope you don't pay if you're diamond. <laughs> so, right. yeah, you know, you, usually it's like that. It's, it's tiered. I, you know, we've asked this question so many times. Everyone, this is, it's almost a cliche, right? But are, is this going to, how is this going to end? Um, I guess in the, immediate, in the immediate term, the one that I'm the most curious about, of course, is Revel, right? Because mm-hmm. they're like teetering. They're obviously yeah. out there trying to sell themselves. Um, but that would just be pretty stunning, right, to have this brand new facility shut down. That would be pretty crazy. Yeah. Is that going to happen? I really hope not. Yeah. I can see how it could, but I don't know what that, what that gains the current owners, you know, if there's an offer out there, even if it's not an offer that they love, you've got to think that they, you would rather take that offer and say, well, instead of losing, you know, $900 million, we're going to lose whatever, $1 billion, then say, yeah, we're the ones who put all these people, thousands of people out of work. Right. And then once you close it, you, it's not like you can just walk away. You have to maintain the building. You're still paying taxes on it. Your insurance right. premiums go up. You're still paying to keep the utilities for the building. You're still paying security to keep it secured. So it's not like if you close Revel, then, okay, now we're not losing money or making money. You're, you're losing a lot of money. Yeah, right. So it's like, right. huh, do I either take more of a bath here selling it and getting a little bit of money back, or do I want to keep on throwing money into this? And it's, then you either have to pay a lot of money to demolish it, in which case you're still paying taxes on the, <laughs> on the land, or you sell it. It's stunning that it has gotten to this point. I think it's yeah. pretty amazing. And, and the question is, is, is if you decide to close it now, is it more saleable 
three years from now, after it's been closed for three years, right? Is, right. It, is the price going to go up? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, I think it would be in their interest to find a seller. How does online play into this, right? I mean, if New Jersey has online gaming. There was I've seen mixed reports. Some people, I mean, I think even in your Vegas Seven piece mm-hmm. I was reading today, mentioned this thing that maybe that it's that it shows possible for growth. And I've seen other people saying it's underperformed what they were expecting, and it's not really very uh, relevant given the amount of money we're talking about. How do you yeah. see that as a puzzle piece here? So right now, it's about four to five percent of the total gaming win in New Jersey. All right, which isn't terrible seeing that Great Britain, where they've had it for almost 10 years, it's about 16%. So like, yeah, they've had it since November. It's about 4 or 5% of the total gaming win. So you can see it's kind of there. You know, you don't see that number going up a lot, but it does seem to be fairly stable. So that's, that's one thing. I don't think that this was going to be the savior of it. I think it's just, hey, this is what people are going to start doing, and we have, you know, are we going to wait until... 2050 to start doing it, or we already start going to do it and start doing it now. You know, a lot of people would say that they should have been doing this for the past 15 years. So I think that's what it's a case of. You know, if you look at the numbers, the numbers, even with online gaming added in, have fallen. And without online gaming, they've fallen even more. So I don't think it's really having a big impact either way. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting to watch this stuff. Do you think that the. Atlantic City elders could learn something from Fremont Street because <laughs> they you know, I, it wasn't all that long ago that it was pretty grim down there you know none of the casinos were they, everything was old and beat up and there was no activity and quiet it was quiet I like that but mm-hmm. it, it was you know you could hear the death rattle on Fremont Street but you know, through energy, volume, and pumping in a ton of alcohol, mm-hmm. they've turned things around. Why not make it a, you know, an open alcohol area so there's no open container laws, you know, have more security out there, beach parties, make it really about having a destination weekend by the, by the shore, walking around, getting loaded, a little bit of that uh, French Quarter nonsense, and you also have the casinos and the hotels to crash in. Okay, it took them about 30 years to change the local ordinances to allow casinos to set up bars on the beach at all. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you would have thought when they, le- when they legalized it in 76, when the first one opened in 78, hey, we've got this great beach here, this amenity that nobody else has. You know, Vegas doesn't have this. Yeah. Why don't we have beach parties? With, why don't we have a beach bar where somebody can go lie in a towel and drink a Heineken or whatever they want to drink? Yeah. You know, no, because then, and literally, I remember reading this in the letter to the editor, to the local paper, like, oh my God, if you legalize that, you're going to have people vomiting all over the beach, and it'll be unruly, and... Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, just like they do at the pool parties in Vegas, where they're getting charged 12 bucks for a beer. So you keep that stuff, you give 40% of the beach to open party zone, and then 60% to the bar-free zone. Yeah. Yeah, which you, know, you can it's you know, called which, a compromise. Yeah, <laughs> so it's really yeah, and it's really yeah, you know. So how many people would be bringing their family to to spend the day right next to the beach bar, you know, right next to Margaritaville? 
Yep. I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, that, but that's just the mentality there. It's the, hey, this is, these are the rules and you have to follow the rules. You know, I don't think you can even ride your bike on the boardwalk after 10 o'clock. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Which is, so yeah, imagine that you're some kind of international or even national traveler and you're used to going to all these places and doing fun stuff and you want to rent a bike and ride on the, on the boardwalk and you get there at 930 and they tell you, well, you've got to be back in a half hour. Otherwise, you're going to get a ticket. Are bikes allowed on Fremont Street? I don't know. You can't even have a, a can of Budweiser on Fremont Street well, now. Well, that's a whole yeah. different issue, right? Yeah. Interesting topic, but yeah. But yeah, you, you know, you figure this is a several miles long, right by the beach. Yeah. People would be out there doing that, but you know, no, not after nine o'clock, ten o'clock. Right. Well, why not? Well, that's just because because it's too dangerous. Well, you know, I'm sure you could find a way to do it. And then... Go ahead. Now you go. Now you go. Now I'm just getting into stupid stuff. (laughs) I'm just wondering, like, how Borgata is doing through all this. I definitely haven't been keeping tabs on their their figures, but obviously... They're doing very well. They're doing very well. I think their win per slot per day is something like $360. They're doing very well still. You know, maybe not as well as they were doing a couple years ago, but comparatively, they're still way at the top of the heap. So they're doing well. Harris is doing well. Caesars is doing well. A lot of the other, some of the other properties are, are improving. But the ones that aren't doing well are doing pretty badly. Yeah, clearly. Although Showboat was profitable. They were yep. making money. It was producing money for, for the company. They just figured they would produce more money if they shipped all those gamblers over to the other three properties and closed that. Right. Well, we're going to talk. That's a perfect segue to talk mm. about Caesars Entertainment Corporation Incorporated General Growth Partners Holdings, <laughs> Holdings LLC. LTD. Uh, so uh, the constant drumbeat around Caesars crumbling continues. Um, they're, of course, they've been engaged in these shenanigans for a while now where they have been shifting assets to uh, other entities that they control and at least partially own. Um, their bond, some of their bondholders are, I believe, suing them now, Believe are, are claiming that they are actually in default, basically saying that some of these asset transfers are not kosher. Um so, you know, Caesars continues to struggle, and on top of all of this, we have a lot of reports that the, uh, at least the high roller at the link, the centerpiece, the Ferris wheel, is not doing anywhere near as well as they predicted. They've had to reduce prices, at least for some period of time. I know they had them jacked back up for 4th of July, but I believe they're back now down to their lowered rates. Um, something that was meant to be a centerpiece of that complex and a major new attraction for them in the city, something that costs... Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars to build um, is so far not doesn't seem to be a runaway hit now of, of course that could change but um, is it just not that there aren't enough people that want to ride this thing uh, that are coming to town what's the story is is the is the high roller a flop and are we finally going to see Caesars file for bankruptcy I mean there is also rumors recently that they've they're out there uh, they've retained consultants and attorneys that are uh, theoretically uh, advising them as how how they might proceed given their condition which has been which is tough it's been hard for a long time but it, it's not getting better very quickly if, if it's getting better at all 
Um, so I don't know, Dave, have you been on the high roller? And if yes, what did you think? And if not, uh, why not? I still haven't. I just haven't been able to get my family down there to to ride it because I figured yeah. they they would probably enjoy that. So definitely want to go. I've been meaning to go, and we've not just we've just not had the time to do it yet. Mm. I have to say the same thing. I've walked by it three times and haven't gotten on it. Yeah, I'm same here. I I could imagine riding it um, once in my life, but the the pole is so weak. I don't feel compelled at all. And I don't, quite frankly, um, when I think about eh, it's like a half an hour and I gotta wait in a line. It's like I add all these things up in my head and I kind of talk myself out of it every time. Yeah. I was surprised when I first saw it in person how it. Uh it didn't look that big. Yeah. It wasn't that high of a roller, and it's all because of the scale of the surrounding buildings. Like, it's not... didn't seem too dramatic to me. The thing that is tough, and other people have said this, is the fact how slow it moves makes it look like it's not moving at all. Yeah. And so you're, it's hard to tell if it's even operating. Sorry, Dave, I cut you off. Oh, yeah. I think... Part of the issue, Chuck hit on part of the issue, is that you don't have great visibility of it from the rest of the strip. Yep. If you could see it really easily, if the strip was laid out in such a way that you could see that, you know, so if the high roller was where the mirage is, in front of the mirage, yep. I think a lot more people would, would know about it. It just doesn't have that great visibility. I don't, I don't know exactly where you can see it in the strip, but um, I know if you're walking along the... East side, it's very difficult to see if you're on, if you're if you're walking around there, especially if you're on that block right there where it is. It's I was flying. I was flying from Denver to Santa Barbara a couple of weeks ago, and you and you we, not to Seattle, not not Denver. Uh, no, Seattle. no, but that route takes takes me right over Las Vegas, so <laughs> uh, you fly right over, and I can, you can see it really clearly from the plane. Mo, I mean, you can, well, you can see the lights from it very clearly from the plane because it's got these cool multicolored lights. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I I see what you're saying. It is some of its the how it's situated and oriented. It's it's not necessarily um, always in view. I yeah, but what I mean, Caesars are, is is this finally going to be the the straw that uh, that breaks them? I mean, it they've been teetering on this on the edge of this for a while. I mean, it's not hard. It's hard not to look at their asset maneuvers and see them as like semi desperate. Uh, so, but I mean, are they finally going to get pushed over into uh, into the abyss and and get broken up? And what would that even look like? Hmm. That's hard to know. It's it's uh, you know when the hedge fund guys who are all thieves <laughs> when they when they start stealing from each other and then start circling like sharks around each other with a bunch of lawyers in their pockets, then. You know, blood's going to be spilled for sure. So it's it's obvious that this was the plan from the outset. That Caesars was, they created the holding corporation and started shuffling and buying stuff from themselves to, to protect it. Uh, specifically so they could saddle the Caesars Entertainment bag with all the debt and all the nonsense and then they're going to bankrupt that and destroy that company and then just use the other one that has all the assets. So, you know, it's, 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 it's clear and it's calculated and it's probably going to end up in the courts for a long time. And by the time it gets resolved, 
the other guy's going to be making money and it's not going to really matter. They're going to get away yeah. with it. They always get away with it, man. Just a gut. That's gut, just my gut feeling. And it's if possible. not, and the worst case scenario is Loveman goes back to Harvard. See? Yeah, good guy. <laughs> He's excited. I'm going to have to take five here. I'm going to have to look into this. So give me, give me a minute here. Uh-huh. It, it does seem like, I don't know, I mean, these we get more of these stories on a continual basis, right? It seems, it always seems like they're, they finally hit rock bottom and then we find out that they're, you know, buying some other casino in Illinois or something, right? They just, yeah. they continue to make purchases despite yeah. the fact that it seems like they should have exhausted these avenues ages ago. Where do they keep getting the funding? Yeah, I think we've been asking this question on our posts for, you know, five, six, seven years now. Where do they get right. the funding to buy this? They bought the Planet Hollywood. Where do they get the money for that? You know, they're opening joints in every corner of the world. Korea, Japan, uh, Maryland, right. you name it. Where are they getting the money? It's not from selling a golf course in Macau. Obviously, these folks, the hedge fund guys who are hedging their funds, are, <laughs> they're, they're, uh, they know what they're getting into. They have to. Oh, I think I, I. Of course, they do, right? And I, I, if you look at like the underlying business, like gambling is still, you know, Las Vegas resorts. It's not a bad business to be in, right? It's just extricating yourself from all of the associated debt and whatnot. Yeah, I was surprised when I was reading up about this five hundred and fifty million bucks to redo the quad link thing, including yeah, a high roll. Let's talk about That's, that. That's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. How much SLS pay? Right? Uh, they yeah, got six forty I mean, to redo all that, including the two thirty from Stockbridge for the purchase of the property. So they added another four on top of it. It's it, it seems like this whole quad becomes link thing is is pretty amazing, right? So they rebranded Imperial Palace as the quad. Just a few. Year, like how long ago? Two years ago did they announce that? It hasn't been very long. Yeah, and they they only like barely just finished taking the scaffolding off of the building, right? Um, and now they're talking about uh, redoing it again, and there's going to be the Link Hotel. So clearly, the quad was not something that was working well for them, oh. um, and they decided to to go with something else. But I mean, that's a pretty epic, boneheaded, epic, epically boneheaded maneuver. Um, to have to rebrand your whole thing, which is of course expensive all in, all by itself, but you know they're talking about doing the, the rooms finally as well. I mean, it's uh, it is another boatload of cash they're going to invest into this property that um, you know just had some injected. Now clearly the the rooms do need to be redone, right? I don't think anybody would argue with you. There, skanky. It's a pretty skanky place. Yeah. The inside. You know, walking around there last time, I was just there a few weeks ago, and I went in again to go look around and see what was going on and experience the joint. And I was surprised by the fact that the most popular place in the in the whole Link Quad complex was O'Shea's. It was yeah, packed. Yeah, that place is packed. Packed. And it was, uh, frighteningly, it was... For a, for a venue that's brand new, it was possibly more skanky and disgusting than the original O'Shea's in a completely different <laughs> way. 
bare kind of concrete. It smelled like beer, you know, which is yeah. great. I love that. But it really was a skanky, dirty hole of a casino, you know, way, way worse than the previous. And it was packed. And you walk up two steps into the quad casino, nothing. Right. There's, some people are playing, you know, and dancing dealers and half of it is still cordoned off and all the other stuff. But, uh, but I was surprised that the quad was really the thing that people were at and nobody is really loving the rest of it. But it makes sense. Based on the, the first time I walked through, I wrote a post about how the quad is basically the quad, like in a, uh, in a, in a uh, uh, college campus. Right. right. You just walk through the crosswalk to get to another building. It's just a thing you get through. It's a thing you traverse and path through. And it, that, it is. It has that transient feeling. It's kind of ice cold in there. And it's not homey or comfortable in any soft, uh, plush way. The whole yeah. thing feels like that. So by design, they've made a place that's uh, th- th- that you don't want to really stay at. And th- should they be surprised? Why should they blame it on the name? You know, because it's not the name that's the problem. It's the fact that people don't want to stay, and the name is not going to change that. It doesn't seem to have much of an identity, right? It's uh, the um, the Imperial Palace, for all of its flaws, had yeah. was had a deep, deep identity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it doesn't seem like any of that has translated over to to the Quad as it's as it's been reimagined, right? It's, it, it is, you're exactly right. It's very uh, transitionary. Uh, and they, they didn't, haven't done, their, done, done themselves any favors in the way that they configured that walk between Harris through the quad to, uh, to the link and then to the Flamingo. I mean, it really is like a lobby with some slot machines in it almost. It doesn't feel like it's got, there's no there there. Yeah, it's the, it's the Harris America plan and it's a continuation of the Carnival Court, basically, with slot machines on the sides. So, but the Carnival Court you want to stay at, kind of. Well, it's good. It's got a party atmosphere, right? As cheesy as the bands usually are and whatever. Yeah. It's like, it's got a vibe. It's got energy. Yeah. Still, $500 million to do that. $500 plus million. Now they're doing the rooms, too, and, and whatnot. I don't know. Uh, yeah. it, se- it seems like a, an excessive amount of loot. For, with for some what they're de- doing. Some Deglo paint or whatever. I mean, it looks kind of yeah. fugly from the paint samples I saw. Yeah, didn't the uh, the Cromwell was less than that? Wasn't it like 280, 320, somewhere yeah. in that Some, neighborhood? Yeah, something like that. Yep. Yep. Uh, Dave, did we get you back? Yes. What's your, what, what are your thoughts on uh, the quad already being rebranded as the Link Hotel? It's very interesting. It's not the sort of thing that you would you would expect, and I think it speaks to the malleability of, of brands in Vegas right now, where it's not the time when Sands meant Frank Dean and Sammy for about thirty years, even after they stopped playing there, and that was really the image. Now I think it's much more. It's just the name that you use to find the place, and we see yeah. that with properties like the Hilton, that then was LVH, and now is Westgate. Right. And it's amazing how seamlessly, so now everybody's, in, everybody's all the uh, radio ads are for uh, raiding the rock vault at Westgate Resort. Boom. Yep. Just Boom. that quickly. 
So yeah, and it doesn't seem to, you know, nobody's, obviously nobody's bemoaning the loss of LVH. But I think this is kind of a bigger, bigger issue, which is that the, the names don't seem to mean what they once did. Certainly for some places they, for, for some places they really do, but I think for a lot of the properties, the name doesn't really count so much. I, you know, it, it, I, I, can, I, can I jump in real quick? If yeah, the, name, yeah, yeah. If the name doesn't mean so much, then why did they change it? I think... Because that, that question goes both ways. If the name yeah. doesn't mean so much, then why bother why changing change it? it? Or if the name means so much, they, they have to change it. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. You know, <laughs> what I could guess is that they figured, well, now, now the link name, the quad, see, now I'm getting mixed up. The quad name is associated with the Imperial Palace rooms, and now that we're redoing the rooms, we're going to relaunch it as the quad. And so the question comes, why didn't they just keep on ah, licensing Imperial Palace? That's revisionist history, I think. I don't think anybody could sell that with a straight face. Yeah. Like, this, yeah, was, this was the plan all along? Yeah, I don't think it, no, no. I don't think it could have been the plan. I, I'm just, yeah, I, I, it's one of those things that kind of boggles my mind. You know, way back when the quad name was announced, I think I linked that to this post, but I got mm-hmm. news from a Caesars insider who uh, said that their marketing team uh, came to decide upon the name uh, very nonchalantly after they had done name searches, they had consulted with marketing firms, they consulted with, they did a uh, employee poll to get names, which they never even looked at. Uh, they picked the quad pretty quickly out of a basket of four or five names based on the on the domain name being available. Yeah, that, that's how much they thought they really they thought about it intensely, but it was based on the, the domain name. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, in a sense, it makes it you know having them all branded as Link. Okay, I mean, I get that, but why they didn't just do that from the beginning is baffling. Uh, so, Dave, I want to segue this into your Hawaiian Marketplace article because, you know, the link has now been open for a little while. It sounds like, um, at least in terms of the high roller, it hasn't really done as as good of business as maybe they were hoping. I've visited a couple times now. I would say that I was maybe unimpressed is not the right word because I wasn't really looking for looking to be impressed. Um, but... I guess I don't find it to be all that special of a place, the link, I mean. Um, but, uh, you know, you talked about its relationship to um, forebears like uh, Hawaiian Marketplace and what's coming coming next, like the the uh, refugee camp at, in front of Bally's. Um, what, why don't you tell us a little bit about why the Hawaiian Marketplace was potentially a, a prescient move by the folks that did that? Well, if you go back to 2004, you, you would, this was a time when people were starting to think big, especially the next couple years. So the thing opens in 2004. It doesn't do that well. Originally, the plan was to route the traffic all the way through it, you know, kind of like Carnival Court. And then the county said, no, you have to let it go right past the front of it. So that took away what would have been a lot of foot traffic going through. So it didn't do that well originally. And meanwhile, you had everybody dreaming these grandiose dreams, you know, a city center rising right next door, and that's the biggest private development in U.S. history. And Hawaiian Marketplace is looking incredibly short-sighted. Like, wow, that's all you're going to do with that land? It's right there. So fast forward to the recession, and it doesn't seem like it was that bad of an idea. 
And if you fast forward past the recession, you see now a lot of the other operators are coming to the realization that, yeah, people want to walk around on the strip. They want to have this outdoor, quasi-outdoor experience. And yeah, maybe we should have that associated with our properties too. So I think it's interesting interesting the way that something that would be really unheralded in, in 2004, in 2014, they're making a big deal about the same kind of thing. Yeah, it is interesting. I'm really curious to see how the park turns out. Um, I was, I guess, I would say overall sort of impressed with the facade work that they've done at both New York, New York, and Monte Carlo. I think both of those are actually looking pretty nice so far, um, nicer than I was imagining when they announced them. Uh, so I'll be really interested to see how the park comes out in that as it sort of bridges all that stuff together. Whether it is, you know, just like another link, whether it's got a little bit different character, uh, and we'll, we'll just have to see. The, part, the thing about the link that I, that it didn't make me fall in love is just it, and it really feels like it's a you know cookie cutter mall that could be in anywhere here in Southern California or even other parts of, of Las Vegas. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel very Vegasy to me at all. I agree with you. Yes. But uh, it is interesting to see, you know, as with all things that uh, are either popular or people think are going to be popular, you have uh, everybody is rushing to emulate and to jump on the bandwagon. So, you know, we'll, uh, I'm very curious to see how the park comes together. But um, the link, you know, I don't have anything against it, but I don't really see myself visiting, being pulled in there for any specific reason. So, so that's a that, that's a no on the sprinkles cupcakes or I don't really like cupcakes. You don't want sneakers. You're not looking for some rare sneakers or hats. No, that's Miss Miss Nomer's thing. I don't Polaroids. Do no, no Polaroids. That that place is a joke. No Polaroids. Hmm. No. Yard House seems to be very popular. Beer. I mean, Brooklyn not, Ball. Not, I mean, I would Yard House and Brooklyn Bowl. I meant to say Brooklyn yeah. Bowl. Yard House yeah. too. Brooklyn yeah. Bowl seems to be doing very well. Yeah, good for them. I don't like. I said, I don't, nothing against them. I just unless you know, I don't feel pulled into that orbit at all. Um, since it's a big deal in the industry, we should at least mention that IGT is being sold to G Tech. I personally couldn't give a shit about this story at all. I don't care who makes the slot machines that I don't play very often. But um, it is a big deal, merger wise. A lot of money. IGT is obviously. Uh, you know, one of, if not the premier supplier of a lot of this gaming equipment, so it is notable. But, um, you know, Dave, am I wrong? Should I care about this for some reason? I think it's the truth for the industry. IGT used to have market share of about 75%, and now they have market share somewhere around 40 to 45%. So they've definitely seen that erode a little bit as the other companies have gotten more competitive. I think it's kind of more important to the gaming industry in the big picture because a lot it just shows how there's a lot more convergence so if you look at the scientific games um, WMS merger that's very similar to this where uh-huh. you've got this company that's pre- predominantly doing lottery type things combining with a company that's pre- pre- uh, predominantly an equipment manufacturer and a systems provider so they're not just saying you know, it used to be that one company would say, well, we do lottery systems or we do slot machines. Now they're just saying, well, we provide services and right. products for gaming, which right. could be online, which could be lotteries. So it shows there's really a convergence, and I think we're going to see a lot more of this. I'm surprised that they don't go out there and say, we'll operate your casino for you. 
they well they used to you know i i know that some of the definitely some of the slot operators used to own casinos too hmm, interesting. but they've gotten out of it and i'm i've uh, i've got on, on the company's page of the uh center for gaming research site i've got all that stuff when they got and when they got out but it, it's slipping my mind right now hmm. it's also notable because it's an international acquisition gtex yeah. an italian firm and this is yeah. like the, one of the largest other than i think fiat buying chrysler this is one of the largest acquisitions uh, of an american company by a an italian corporation so it's, you know, it's a trend right now, and I can't remember that there's actually a term for it, but I can't remember what it is. But I don't know if this is a primary driver in this deal, but, uh, you know, American companies that are acquired by uh, country, co- companies in other countries that then um, re, re, they rehome their headquarters and pay a lower tax rate. Yep. It's uh, an interesting, interesting aspect of our system. Tax inversions. Yes, Saxon, that's exactly the term I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it is notable. I'm glad that we put it out there. I, I frankly, I mean, I, the sort of the tech side of all this stuff I think is interesting I, just because I like technology in terms of, like, how these systems work and how they're provided and even stuff going back a few years like server-based gaming and then stuff going forward a few years like social gaming and all kinds of mobile stuff. I, I find that stuff really fascinating. But I've never really... And I, I know that this is really an unfair characterization because um, I'm not super familiar with IGT, but I've never really looked at them as like some massive innovator in their field. I mean, clearly they're a market leader and they've done a lot of very success. They've been very successful, but I I could I couldn't point to other than like licensing really popular uh, brands and yeah. old media properties. I can't point to anything that they've done and say, "Wow, that was so innovative." Well, usually it's the companies that are on the top. They, they uh, switch their model as they get there from innovation to evolution. And IGT still is kind of an evolutionary company. They're just continuing on the course. And that explains why their market share is eroded from the numbers that uh, Dave mentioned before. I think it's also important to say that they're also big on the slot management system side of it, which is, a, which is very right. big. So what you see in the floor is really... Not the tip of the iceberg, but it's only part of the equation. Right. No, I mean, all of these guys, right, that they pretty much these days are all selling end-to-end solutions, and you may not buy into every piece of it, but they're willing to sell it to you if you're, if you're in the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting stuff. Um, okay, I think we're pretty much done. We mentioned in passing that Westgate bought LVH. Yeah. Eh. You know, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. They're going to do some timeshares. They're going to do a nightclub. You know. it's, an- yeah, it's another question. You know, given the state Westgate was in uh, just a few years ago, where do they get the money for this? You know. So I mean, I don't. I only read like two articles on this topic, but I guess they've been they've been doing after their near death experience. They uh, have done a lot better, I think, coming out of coming out of that. So I, it doesn't sound like they paid a whole lot of money uh, out of pocket for it. Yeah. What does this mean for the future of that property? Is it eventually just going to become a rental hotel, or we well, they say no, right? So they they're on at least the dude. Not camera David Siegel is that his name? I can't yeah. remember uh, exactly the numbers he spouted up, but he was 
you know, basically saying that the, actually the majority of the rooms would, would remain in a traditional hotel configuration, and they would convert some some small yeah, number of them was, to timeshares. Yeah, I think it was two hundred. Yeah, uh, out of right, about something like that. three thousand, thirty-two hundred rooms. Right, so, so a pretty small number overall. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the the thought of it being a Westgate makes me not want to stay there. Yeah, timeshares, even if partially related to timeshares, like th- that to me, just it seems like not the resort experience. And I know I this is just ridiculous, it but I, I, it makes me not want to stay there. It's um, it's funny. I think it was Johnny Katz. I don't know who, maybe or maybe it was fucking Robin Robin Leach. But anyway, he had an interview with Siegel talking about um, what he was going to do. And it was almost manic in, 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 the, in its responses. I mean, it was like, it was really interesting to, to read for all kinds of different reasons. Um, but yeah, he was talking about how, you know, he sees Westgate as like the pinnacle of quality, which is not the way I think of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, talking about all kinds of stuff, talking about using the villas there potentially as like a tourist attraction, hmm. uh, which would be kind of interesting. Um, I'd love to go up there and see those sometime. So I don't know. It's uh, the it's an interesting interesting turn of events. He he was um, adamant about not closing the place down and putting people out of work. He that was apparently something that was really important to him. So I give him uh, points for that for keeping all the people employed. So um, you know that's a positive, I guess. I am not super excited about any Westgate property just because I just same reason for you, Chuck. I think, but um, we'll see what happens. That seems like nickel and diamond, though the uh, the villators. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, nobody's in there, so let's run a, uh, <laughs> let's charge fifteen people fifteen bucks to go. <laughs> you know, we'll make three hundred dollars on something that normally we could, you know, book, book, book uh, comps against for the ten thousand dollars. The, the, you know, the sad thing, thing is, I would probably do it. Oh, I definitely thing. do it too. If all the <laughs> hotels said, "Oh, go to the concierge desk at twelve o'clock and." You can pay twenty bucks to go walk around a Bellagio villa. Sure, man, I'll do. I it. would do that in a heartbeat. Any day of the week. Are you listening, Jimbo? Yeah. Need to make some pocket change, some lunch money. That's right. You can even bring us on the tour. <laughs> we'll answer all of your questions. <laughs> there you go. I can I can retire, become a Bellagio villa tour guide. Right. Um. I think that's where we're going to leave it for today. All kinds of good stuff. Thanks for sticking Jim with are, us. Do you think Jim yeah. listens to this show? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he knows what a podcast is. Hmm. I'm sure if, if he does, it's because he has some assistant like put it into his Ferrari for him. He doesn't even know how to turn it on or turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> who do you think listens to this show? Do you know any? Is any who, who? Sheldon doesn't listen for sure. I don't think any of those guys listen to None anything. Of those guys? No. I don't. I I would be shocked. Um, thank you guys. Thank you, listeners, for for sticking through, for hanging out, for being there. Um, we're gonna do our sure bets segment. This is our opportunity to recommend something to you, dear listener, dear listener. Um, so why don't I start with you, Doctor David Schwartz of UNLV Center for Gaming Research? Do you have anything to share? Sure. I have the Discovery Children's Museum in Las Vegas. What's the story? What is that? That is where I spent a big chunk of the afternoon with mm-hmm. my kids. Um, it is the. It's basically a museum for kids from pretty much two years old all the way up to eighteen. 
at which point wow. I think they stop being kids. Yes, technically. But, um, not a ton of teenagers around there, but there's a lot of fun stuff to do there. Very nice. I noticed that there were, there were a lot of California plates in the parking garage, so I figured hmm. I would throw it out there. So it's not just locals who go there. Where is it? It is right next to the Smith Center in downtown oh. Las Vegas. Okay, cool. All right, well, something I didn't even know about, so there you go. Yeah. Um, Charles Monster. Other than yeah. Google+, Plus, what would you like to recommend? <laughs> you know, I'd, uh, I'd like to rem- recommend, as a sure bet, uh, our fearless leader, Hunter. And this is not a joke. This is a heartfelt thank you for... Uh, doing this show, organizing it, and keeping us going, and dealing with the, all the technical aspects, and just the greatness that you are as a host, a moderator, a friend, and partner, and uh, just this is my little opportunity to say I thank you, and I love you uh, for all that you do. That's nice of you to say. Are you going to quit now? Is that what we're leading up to? Uh... Well, that's what I was going to get to. That's the uh, next part. We'll save that for next week. I'm going to edit that out. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can't leave. Well, that's really nice of you to say. That's really nice of you to say, Charles. I appreciate that very much. I mean it, too. Uh, you know, I believe you. Um, well, cool. Thank you. It's fun to do. Fun to do with you guys. Um, it's been remarkably resilient over all of the years with personnel changes for all kinds of reasons. And i um, happy we're still around. Yeah, I was thinking about Jeff when we were talking about parking before. <laughs> yes. I'm sure somebody did there too yeah. Yes indeed um, I want to Recommend a television program um, It's actually probably Close to the end of its run now So I probably should have recommended this earlier But I kind of came to it late It is on the AMC channel It is called Halt and Catch Fire It is about the. It's about Texas in the early 80s Which was um, which played an important role in the PC industry. It's where companies like Compaq came from when they were cloning the original IBM PC. It's a show kind of about that. It's, it's all fictionalized. But, uh, <laughs> but um, it's, uh, I've, it's really it's good. I remember seeing the ads for it uh, when, uh, earlier in the year, and I was like, eh, well, maybe I'll check it out. And I finally got around to watching an episode, and I got kind of hooked. So if you haven't if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. They've got some good actors, some good story, uh, some interesting characters. So is I definitely a, recommend it. Is it a mini series? Is this supposed to be an ongoing show that they've stopped, or a one season deal? Is it on the internet? Yeah, I believe it's a show. I don't know if it's been um, renewed for a second season or not, but I believe it's it was produced with that intention. I think there are eleven episodes into twelve episodes of the first season. I think there's only one episode left. Um, it's on Sunday nights on AMC. You can also get it, I know, on iTunes, because that's where I got some of the back episodes. I don't know about other services like Hulu or Netflix. It may not have showed up there yet, uh, if, if at all. Um, but you can definitely get it on iTunes, um, and it is still airing in AMC. Who knows? They may air more of these episodes. But yeah, I uh, got kind of sucked in, so I totally recommend it. Hmm. Cool. I'm checking out. Yeah. Always good to find good shows. Um, do not forget to rate us in iTunes, please. It really does help other people find the show, which is always good. Jimbo only listens to five-star podcasts, so uh, <laughs> it's really important to maintain that. Um, if you want to leave a comment about the show, you can go to VegasGamePodcast.com. Um, if you leave a comment about audio quality, I will ignore it. Um, other comments are welcome. 
You can also reach us on Twitter, at Vegas Gang for the show, um, or uh, you can reach us individually. Uh, that is it for today. Thanks to every, for everybody for being here. I'm going to go around the table, uh, and you can tell people where they can find you. Dr. Dave, I don't know if you're here or not, but I'll stand, in, I'll stand in for you. Oh, I don't have to. Okay, so Dave, where can people find you? DGSchwartz.com, gaming.unlb.edu as well. Perfect. And Mr. Chuck Monster, where can people find you? People can find me at VegasTripping.com. People can find me on Twitter, at Hunter, or you can go to the App Store and download my app, Vegas Mate, uh, for the iPhone and the iPad. So that is it. It's going to be fun. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. We're counting down to SLS. is going to open pretty soon. It's going to be pretty interesting to see that happen. I'm looking forward to talking more about that stuff and uh, everything else with you guys next time.